Hello, and welcome to Apostolic Life United Pentecostal Church Podcast. Did my voice throw you off there? Ah, well that must mean you are one of our regular listeners, and you were expecting my husband, Brother Dylan. Well, I asked if I could do the intro for this segment, since it's kind of my baby. And of course, he so graciously agreed. Most of you should recognize my voice from our other segments, but if you're new here, then allow me to introduce myself. My name is Sister Sarah Gregory, and I want to sincerely thank you for joining us today and welcome you to our segment, Let's Talk About It. This will be our church's group discussion segment, where we will talk about different Bible and church-related topics. Would you please pray with me? God, we thank you for this opportunity. The places you are taking us through this podcast has truly been amazing, and it has been an honor to work for you. We pray for our entire listening audience, that they would be able to learn something new or receive further revelation. Let this podcast be an encouragement to those who need it. God, we don't ever want to be satisfied. Let us always want more of you. Lord, we pray that you keep this segment and everyone that sits at our table in your will. Don't ever let us step out of place. We ask for blessings and favor for Apostolic Life and United Pentecostal Church International. And above everything else, Jesus, we worship you. We exalt you. We praise the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hello, listeners. I am Sister Sarah Gregory, and welcome to part two of the in and outs of church and fellowship. So everybody, let's Let's talk talk about about it. it. We'll go ahead and redo some introductions just to remind everybody who we all are. Hello again. This is Erica George. I am a co-chair with Amanda with The Next Generation. We have an outreach for ages 20 to 49, single to married families, and we promote fellowship outside of the church. And I am Shaughnessy Webster, and I am the Sunday School Director here at Apostolic Life. And I'm Larry Ingram, a Sunday School teacher. I am Renee Marini, and I'm the Chair of Women of Wisdom, Women's Group for Women 50 or Better. I'm Tanner Hanna, and I'm responsible for the men's ministry, uh, organizing attendance at a men's conference, men's outreach, prayer, men's prayer meetings, and so on and so forth. And I'm Kyle Clayton. Uh, I am the assistant pastor at Apostolic Life, and we are here talking about the importance of actually showing up to church. Uh, in the first episode, we discussed the wonderful aspects of being a part of church and just being there and what happens whenever we get to be there and the people's lives we get to see changed. Miracles that happen uh, that you very rarely ever see or hear about anywhere else, and although the Lord is able to, but people filled with the Holy Ghost, a lot of that stuff happens in the walls of the church, and so we uh, we exercise our legs to go outside and do work outside of the church, but we strongly encourage to show up for church. Now, in our discussion today on this episode in part two, we're going to discuss reasons why people don't want to come. I know we've heard excuses. We've talked to people that have said, well, I don't want to come because of this or because of that. Uh, I'll start off and actually, and I shared this with the church the other week, is I, as a kid, have actually was mean to another young person. And then as we got older, a Somebody else invited that same person to the church, and 
they used me as the excuse they didn't want to come because I went to that church. Uh, now, something I foolish I did as a kid, and I, I would, under, I understand using me as the excuse, but also, I mean, eventually got to get over it and get past it and forgive me because that is one of the lessons of the church. But I mean that that was something that really pricked my heart, and uh, I still. Every now and then it crosses my mind, and I pray for that person that the Lord reaches out in, in some other way, in some other fashion, saves them or draws them to him. But it, have you all had any excuses? Have you heard of any excuses in your dealings with people why they do not come to church? Yeah, I had a buddy of mine. He says, you know, he, he smokes. And he said, well, when I get my life straightened out, then I'll come to church. Yeah, it's a common one. And I told him it doesn't work that way. Bring yourself as you are, and then as you get the spirit in your life, then you will be able to straighten yourself out. Then he's still not in church. I'm really going to blow your mind here and just say I'm tired. (laughs) Sometimes it's just getting past this old flesh, and um, sometimes that can be a tough one. I just wanted to say with what Brother Larry said, you know, it's important to remember that if you'll just show up, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how bad you think it was, if you'll just show up, God will start cleaning the inside, and then the outside follows. The inside gets cleaned up first. I've heard a lot of people who, they will look at our life and how it has changed, and when I invite them to church, they say, I don't think I want to change my life quite so much as you have changed yours. Wow. And that can be, it is, when you look from the outside, um, they see a change that, they see a very dramatic change. Excuse me. They see a very dramatic change, and they think it is a change that's been imposed. And that can be very terrifying from someone. In fact, I've I've had people say, well, you're not allowed to do this, or you're not allowed to do that. And I always laugh, and I say, well, who is stopping me? You know, I had someone say to me about a standard that we live. Well, you're not allowed to cut your hair. And I said, I laugh. I said, well, who, who could stop me? I'm, <laughs> I'm X number of years old, and who can stop me? Who do you think is stopping me? And, and I, it is so funny because do you think there's someone following me around? And right. if I, I look to the left and I look to the right and I try to sneak into Sam's to get my hair cut and they grab me and whisk me away and tie me up somewhere, I will do as I want to do and I don't cut my hair because I don't want to cut my hair. People tell that to us all the time. There's too many rules. There's too many rules. They're not rules. It's something we're choosing to do. Exactly. And I always say, and I say the same thing, I promise you, no one will stop you. That is, (laughs) there is not anybody that will stop you. I don't, I'm not inviting you to come and not cut your hair. I'm inviting you to come and listen to the word of God. Come to church. Come and feel the spirit of God. Come and sit in the presence of the Lord. Come as you are. And I come think some people are. feel they may be judged if they don't look a certain way. And I know, sadly, I've seen and heard about other situations where if someone comes in the door and they don't look appropriately, they try to get them to change their clothes or try to do something or say something. That's unacceptable. You shouldn't have to do any of that. You know, 
God's not going to judge you. You come as you are, and no matter what, and we should accept anyone that walks in that door, their heart, you know, God's tugging on their heart. It's going to be slow and steady. Yes. By the way, sorry, on that point, such were some of you. I was the same. I was in the same position. You know, who, who, what are these people going to think of me, man? I'm just a, I'm off the street, some old worldly guy. They're all going to be judging me. And uh, thank God I come into a church of, that was a very loving, very outgoing, accepting church that allowed me to develop a relationship with God. It's, it's almost, I mean, I'm reluctant to say, but it's almost a little harder when you grow up as a young person in church and then you take that step away and then it's like you, you convince yourself, you know, I've been living in the world for X amount of time. I've ran into church people on the street and they've seen me in, in my attire and how I dress and how I carry myself. Maybe they've seen me in the wrong neighborhood. Maybe they've seen me doing something. And so if I go back to church, they're going to see me. And they're going to, you know, just all the thoughts that could go through your head. And I agree with Brother Tanner. That is what I love about our church, Apostolic Life. I have never walked into this door and thought about someone specifically, what are they going to say to me? When I was living in the world and ran into dear old Brother Leisure, bless his heart, and he never looked at me any different. He still looked at me like the little girl he used to carry out to the car while she was sleeping at the end of service, you know, and hi, how are you, and I miss you, and are you well, and just the same kindness. That's that's what the church should be. That's how we do need to treat people. That's right. I agree, Sister Sarah. I think it's a, it's a, a Barnabas effect. You know, then we get to know them, and we befriend them, and we love them for who they are, right where they are, just as they are, uh, so that they understand that, that I'm connecting to you because I want to know you. Mm-hmm. Not because my ultimate goal here is to win a soul, because I do want to win a soul. I do want to win you to Christ. But at the same time, I also know that I need to love yes. and, that I, and that I want them to be a part of my life. I want to get to know them on a personal level. And I think sometimes... Uh, some of the greatest victories in winning people to Christ come from just getting to know them right where they are, who they are, and loving them just as they are. And when they feel that and they know that we really care about them just like they are, they're so much more open to allow God to move in their life and to accept what God's will is for them. And I think our church does that and does it very, very well. It's, it is their pre their preconception of what Christianity is. They don't know what Christianity is. They are, they have a preconception. So many people do, not everyone does. And I think that our church is very welcoming to everybody and very careful not to judge or prejudge anyone. Um, And you're exactly right, Shaughnessy. That's exactly how you win people to the Lord. But it's, it's so, um, people are so frightened of being judged and maybe they have been harshly judged in other places I don't know but I have not seen an apostolic church that did that and I've visited many and seen many people on pews that didn't fit a a particular standard and they were welcome and they were treated well so I, I say to anyone listening if you are not visiting an apostolic church because you're afraid of being judged and not not welcomed, shake that off. That's that's an enemy. That's the enemy telling you that. Visit and go feel the presence of the Lord and meet people that are 
going to be warm and welcoming and and want you there. Yeah, I know I've come across people that, and it's hard to work with them, to, that have been hurt by ministry. Uh, pastors are people too. They make mistakes. They speak harsh. They... They do things that split churches, uh, and it's and it hurts people, and it doesn't just affect his life. I, I'm talking about a pastor's life or someone who is in ministry, uh, and people use that as, as an excuse, and, and it's very hard to say, well, our church won't be like that, or <clears throat> you won't experience that here because, I mean, there's, we're people, and people make mistakes, and we try to be forgiving for with, with people when they do make mistakes because it's going to happen. Uh, I have been, had my feelings hurt. People have made me flustered and frustrated uh, right before I've had to preach and have to go up and just preach anyhow and you just forgive them. Uh, so, I mean, that's another one why people use to, to say, I, well, I'm not going to go to church because this guy over here did this to me. And what people end up doing, and I don't know if they realize it, is because someone hurt their feelings, and I'm not going to say that it's not right, that they tr- their feelings aren't truly hurt, but they take it out on God. And they hurt their relationship and disconnect their relationship with the Lord because a person hurt them. And yeah, the person's supposed to be an ambassador for Christ, and all of us are supposed to be. But to use it as an excuse of, a, I'm just not going to go to church because a person hurt me, uh, um, When I think people just lose sight. I think their feelings really did get hurt. I think... Uh, they are truly emotionally hurt, but the person hurts you. God didn't amen. hurt you. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah. So and let me say something too, real fast. That and you may have already said this. You have to forgive me, but a lot of times we put those people on pedestals. And you know, whether it's a preacher, whether it's an evangelist, whether it's a men's ministry leader, or a podcast organizer, whoever you um you put those people on pedestals like they're they're it, you know. And there's no fault in them. And when you do get hurt, it hurts really bad. But ultimately we're all just we're all wearing the same flesh there was a uh, time in scripture when Paul and Silas were in prison and they were in chains by the Romans uh, in the inner cell and they just begin to sing praises unto the Lord and worship the Lord and just I mean they were having church in a horrible place okay they but because of their praise and their worship their chains fell off of them so whatever excuse that a person may ever have of reason not coming to church or whatever, uh, just a person's life and never even being in a church and not feeling holy enough to come to a church, whatever it is. I mean, if we could get them in the presence of the Lord, not in the church or in the presence of our church, because we come in to magnify the Lord, worship the Lord, get in his presence, the chains are capable of falling off. The hurt is able to be healed because people truly are hurt, and it's just like a cut. It happens in a second, but it takes weeks to heal. And whenever something happens emotionally, it happens in one moment or in one word, but it could take years to heal. And so, but whenever we're dealing with the Lord, the hurt can be healed instantaneously. The, the miraculous can truly happen. And that's one reason we want to make sure that we are a part of the church and we come to church is because miraculous things do happen. And the Lord just says, hey, I forgave you. I want you to forgive them. And they say, why? And he goes, because I love you. And then that's just enough for someone. And it, that, and it happens at church. It happens inside the walls during praise and worship. During, it can happen during the offering. It can happen during the prayer request. Because the Lord is speaking and dealing with the hearts of the people. 
and I've noticed is that while getting to preach a sermon and the opportunity to preach a sermon in, in church service, and then after you preach, you'll have people say, oh, you spoke to me in this area of my life whenever, during your sermon. And then have somebody come up and say, well, you spoke to me in this area of my life during this sermon. And whenever you said this, this hit me here. The Lord lays a message or a sermon on your heart, and you get up and you preach it. But as the word is getting preached, the Lord is dealing with everybody individually and everybody separately in different aspects of their life. And so... You preach, let the preacher preach the word and just watch God just do a work because, and he just begins to speak to hearts and he's dealing with everybody on different levels and in different places. And it's, it's really an awesome thing to be a part of. And I know also being in church and coming into watching people pray at an altar is they're hesitant because they're not used to being at an altar. People want to come up and we want to pray with them, maybe lay a hand on their shoulder so they feel that people are with them and we we want to be behind them and encourage them and they feel uncomfortable a lot of times whenever I go pray for someone and the Holy Ghost is on them and but they're hesitant and locked up I tell them I said block everybody else out it's you and Jesus we just want to help and pray with you but just forget about everybody else and if I can if you can ever get them you can see their face change you can see everything about and then they just tears fall down their eyes and they just block everybody else out and just enjoy the presence of the Lord or just encourage people that are hesitant just say hey just God is with you right now and he is dealing with you on whatever it is and you can see it on their faces of he's doing a miracle in that moment in their hearts that I can't see, and it's fantastic to be in a church and watch all that stuff transpire. Nothing is withheld or out of the limits of God. When they become broken before God, you can see it all over their countenance. Amen. They got to come into church. They need to come in and hear the preaching. God will talk to them, but the devil will come up with all kinds of excuses for why they shouldn't come. Uh, They were going fishing, or there was a sporting event, or... I'm just tired, and if they miss one Sunday, it's easy to miss the next Sunday. But if they can come anyway, you know, you're wearing whatever, just clothes is good, but come and hear <laughs> Amen. and hear the preaching, and God will talk to them. But they need to come in into the, in the congregation and hear this wonderful preaching that God is giving to us. And when, you're, when you come to church, and you want to make sure that you participate in the church, you want to make sure that you just don't sit down and, hey, I, I played sports growing up, and being left on the bench was not the fun place to be. You wanted to be out where everything was going on. When it comes to church, I don't have that mentality, whatever happens out there and outside of churches. I, I mean, I keep the same mentality. I want to be involved in what's happening, and I don't have to be – uh, the one up to bat or in a baseball game, but hey, playing shortstop where you maybe get one or two balls hit to you or, or something, but you just, you're participating in the game and you're not just sitting on the sidelines. And so even when you come to church, you don't want to just sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else praise the Lord, but you want to be participating to where things are happening for you because you get to that broken place. If you can lay aside your everything that's keeping you from worshiping the, worshiping the Lord, yeah, and I would say too that um, you know, if you're not participating in that, if you take it to sports where you're going to take it there, if um, you play baseball or football or whatever, and, and there's one person missing on that team, 
that other team is good enough to, if your shortstop is missing, which that'd be the last position I would say to miss, <laughs> they're good. Enough, they're going to hit the ball to that spot every single time. Okay, and football, if a tight end's missing, you know, the defense is going to correct, and they're going to come after your offense because you no longer have a tight end. If you don't have a music, the right music ministry in place that day, or you don't have the right Sunday school guy in place that day, the enemy is, let's just say he's good at what he does, and he knows to hit those those areas. And so I would say that, you know, the the participation part, just like Brother Mitchell preached last week, let's be a winning team. Um, it's very, very important to, to be part of that team. Also, too, about the participation, you know, like Brother Kyle said, you come – and you participate while you're here, and good things happen for you. But I want to read a scripture, if y'all don't mind. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Brother Kyle just touched on this subject. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And then verse 26 says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. So when you come to church and you show up and you participate and you're here and you're worshiping and you're praising God, that scripture right there tells me that your praise can loose the person standing next to you. That's right. They can be bound in a chain and your praise can loose them. And that is so important. I mean, not saying that we're responsible for others, but yes, we come and we, I feel the Holy Ghost, y'all. We come Amen. and we Amen. we worship and we give our praise up there. And it yes, it's great to have our release and to feel like we've had something achieved. But oh, to watch the person sitting next to you get their breakthrough just because you were willing to show up and give God the glory. That's amazing. That's it's awesome. A, it's a, it's an overflow. It's not just you. It's being so full that you're flowing out over. Uh we have a dear uh sister uh sister Judy Geisen. Uh, something sticks in my mind that she says that's a spillover blessing. So, you know, it works both ways. When I come to an altar and I pray with someone, um, they may be having a blessing poured out on them. And that might be just the night that I was weak in my flesh and I was so tired and I just drug myself to church. But when I stepped down into the altar and prayed with someone who was receiving something from the Lord, I receive it as well. And likewise, when I step out in faith, and I put my faith into action, and I move from the pew to the altar, and I begin to worship and praise my God, that may be just what it takes for someone to have the courage to step out when they would have stayed on that pew and kept their need to themselves and, and sat with their burden and not received the blessing that they were designed to receive that night, just seeing someone else step out gives them the courage to say, okay, I'm going to move out and, and step out. And then ultimately that's the key that unlocks what they, what they were going to receive that night. So. And that spilling over you were talking about, I think that I'm just a point I don't want to just brush past. We also, you know, if we walk with that anointing on us, that, that can spill over in moments you wouldn't think it would, even when you're not just worshiping God at church. Like, I, I mean, even though it's a church thing, I can remember, okay, so we all know what shut-ins are, right? I, I'm, I was at one point in my life a, a pop-in. Like, I, I, I popped into church, you know, at random times. I'd show up for Easter or something, but everyday life, I was doing my own thing. 
And I can remember on those random pop-ins when I was much younger that I could walk in feeling nothing, but I was just here because I knew I was supposed to be here or because mom had called and just, can you just show up this once or whatever the reason may be. And then altar call, and you know, I was raised in church and during altar call, you don't sit in the pew, you go and you, you get in the altar. So I'd walk in the altar still feeling nothing. And then Pastor Mitchell could walk up to me with his anointing, the anointing of the Lord flowing through him, and he could touch me, and I would burst into tears. And I would immediately start, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm sorry. This, and, you know, you go through the whole thing. But if we walk with that anointing on us, it can, it can spill over in the moments just right when it needs to. That's very true because people, one of the things that I, I notice with people is that they just want to know that you're real. They want to know that you're real, that you don't, you're not putting on a show. It's not orchestrated for their benefit when they come here. But they need to know that when they see you in the grocery store, when, they, when your kids, you know, are at, in the sports team with their kids and, and they're interacting with you out in the public arena, that you're the same person that you are here. You're instant in season and out of season. So many backsliders would tell me, you know, I, I've seen things and I've seen people, you know, tell me to live my life a certain way and then... I've seen them outside of the church and they're doing something totally different. And it just rocked my world because I said, this isn't real. They're, they're you know, putting on a, a facade. So people need to know that this is real, that what we feel in the Lord is real. And it can transition into their life. And uh, if we're consistent and we consistently attend church and we consistently get fed and we walk in the spirit and that anointing is upon us, they're going to see that, you know, our our... We're going to have that integrity that we need inside and outside of church for them to see and know this is real. They can have it in their life, and uh, they don't have to go back home and hide who they are anymore. So in the importance of being a part of the church and being at church, you just don't, uh, like you said, being real. We get a hold of something inside the church, and we take it outside into the world, and we make sure that we're a we, Bring a light and be real. Um, but in Acts chapter 2, after they received the Holy Ghost in the upper room, and Peter finishes up his sermon, there's 3,000 souls added to the church. And it says, and they continued in the breaking of bread and fellowship, going from house to house. They were, they were moving outside of just that initial experience. And they begin to fellowship, and they begin to hang out. They begin to make friends that they didn't have before because they... They were now all of a sudden connected by something that was far bigger than they ever could imagine. Uh, well, how great would it have been to be a part of the, the first church, the first initial outpouring? It's like, wow, 3,000 souls were added. But then they have the fellowship, and, it was, and that kept them. And all of you are here because all of you lead some kind of fellowship uh, part of the church. And Sister Erica, uh, the importance of being a part of next generation. The, you said that you go from ages 20 to 49, and we don't ID. So if some, sometimes we got a few people that are over 49, which we enjoy and have some fun with that. But the importance of that age group, that fellowship, what do you see the importance of? We love the church, and we want to be a part of the church. But being a part of the church is also being a part of the things that the church does after church on the weekends. So talk a little bit about next generation and things that you do. Um, well, next generation kind of happened when Brother Mitchell preached a sermon, 
and he had all of our age group stand up. He had the elderly saints stand up, and then he had our young, our age group. Why stand did up. you point to me when you said that? <laughs> <She> was, <laughs> no, 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 it was no, a no, wide no. range. No, no, she was staring you down. <laughs> and I remember our age group stood up, and I looked around while he was talking, and it kind of came to me. I don't know these people on a personal level. I know who they are. We come and we go, and that's it. We don't sit around and talk. We don't know each other. And it just kind of, I was in a very lonely place at that time. And I needed people in my life. And people need people no matter what age you are. And it just kind of, God kind of gave that to me that nobody else is going to do it. You just got to do it. You know, and so we just started getting together, started encouraging each other. We've done all kinds of crazy events together, and I feel like we have built this unified group of people that will be there for anyone, you know, any of us, when we need babysitters or when we want to just go to dinner or just, you know, check on everybody. It's always and encouraging, and you need those kind of friendships in the church, there was not a, just outside. And I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I'll let you continue. There was a time whenever, and I don't know if it was myself or Pastor Mitchell said, if you're under, if you feel you're under spiritual attack, stand up. And it was the entire next generation, yeah. almost. It was it was the ages from 20 to 50 years old. I'm sure there was some others, but all of the next generation was standing up, and it was like, wow. And that was some time ago, and then if few months later, uh, maybe a year, I don't, I don't know exactly the time frame, but some time went by, and my sister, which is Erica, which is heads up Next Generation, tapped me on the shoulder, and she goes, look, all of Next Generation is in the altar, leading praise and worship and praying for people in the altar, and it was, I think, the Next Generation had a, the, the group meeting outside, I think it just brought everybody together. And just, hey, we learn to know each other and each other's problems and become friends. And I think that helped encourage and push, gave the next generation group, that age group, a push. And I think that can be very important, too, because so in middle school and high school, I didn't go to dances. I hated that stuff. I hate to dance, first of all. But, two, it was about not knowing some of the people there. You know, I don't feel like I can. And, two, when you get to know me, people say there's no way Tanner's this kind of person. But I'm a little bit introverted when you first get to know me. You know, I don't know you yet. I don't, you know, I'm not going to open up. I'm, but when you get to know me, you're almost like, man, shut up. Get out of the way, right? You're really annoying. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I think that's, that was really a key. And, um, you know, being in front of this, all, some of the things we do down here can, it can, uh, it can, you can be a little hesitant to, to take a lap, you know, or, you know, jump a pew or throw <laughs> anyway. Amen to yeah. that. So, um, you know, you knowing someone and it's a relationship with God or whether it's your wife or your husband or, whoever, there's things you're not going to do in that relationship until you're comfortable. And I think Next Generation has solidified us and has been a great ministry. I can't be more proud of Erica and my wife and what they've brought to this group of people that, you know, we're, we're friends, man. And, and yeah. I've got your back and you've got my back. And I know when we first started, we had our first meeting in the back and it was just kind of very lucky for what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and just because I wanted to kind of see how everybody felt about doing something like this together. And I remember coming in, it was like, these people were sitting over here, these people were over here, 
this, people. And I'm like, nobody's talking. This is not right, you know. And now I see our group. We're the last ones to leave church. We are, they're shutting down the church, and we're all still in here. Our kids are running around, and people just, that our relationships and those, those Christian-based relationships, you know, are very encouraging. Extremely, extremely healthy. And by low-key, you mean breaking a kneecap on a wheelbarrow. You're... <laughs> You miss excitement <laughs> because the very first one, I wasn't that it? What was that? I think we did our a fall festival. Yeah. Never mind. I thought, man, if that was no. low key, I don't we want to hit. I don't want to be on ten camping trips. We've done obstacle courses, scavenger hunts. We've done uh, bike rides, family picnics, just all kinds of stuff. We even did an '80s murder mystery, and everybody had to come dressed up in a different costume and act out this massive play. And so we just have fun together, and I think that is. Very important I tried in the to church grow body. <laughs> it, it is very important. It really is. And you creating the atmosphere for people to build those friendships outside of a church setting changes the church setting. It really does affect it. Because, you know, for example, if I wasn't comfortable with you as a person and I seen you sitting on a pew crying while they're worshiping, singing a song, okay, and you're just sitting there solemnly crying. If I wasn't comfortable with you as a person, then I wouldn't get up and walk over to you. But being comfortable, if I seen you in that situation, I would walk over and grab your hand and we'd dance our way down that aisle and you'd get your breakthrough or vice versa or to anybody in that matter. You know what I mean? Just being able to, to be comfortable to walk over to somebody and say, you know what? I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to hold your hand and we'll go through it together. I'll help you through it. And, and, you know, just as Brother Kyle preached once before, if you can't get out of the pew, if you can just get your little step going. And, I mean, I've done that with my mom. My mom was sitting there trying so hard to just press through and press through. So I walked over and grabbed her hand, and I went and got my little step going. Next thing I know, she's stepping. And we had it moving. And that building those friendships, having that comfortability with people affects the church service. It really does. Well, if we all remember... Um, Growing up, and, and I can relate to it in high school, thinking that there were sub, subsects of children that had their cliques. Everyone had their clique. You know, when you walk into a church, it's, it's easy to see how some people will gravitate to each other, you know, because they've learned what, what they have in common. And people need to know when they come into church that, it, that it's not a clique. It's that we have something in common. We're here under a common goal, which is to, to serve the Lord and have a relationship with God. But individually, that we know that we can connect with someone who's going through the same thing we're going through. You know, it's amazing how you can step out into this world and be surrounded by billions of people and feel incredibly alone. Amen. And so one of the reasons people disconnect uh, is that they feel alone. And if they don't feel alone and they know that there's someone else who shares their burden or shares their passion or understands what they're going through because they've been through it themselves, all of a sudden, you know, they're not just a number anymore, but they're, they're part of something. And um, there's, there's great power and uh, liberty in knowing that you're part of something bigger than you are. And Pastor has said from the pulpit, people go to church for a pastor. They stay at the church because of their friends, because of what they've built there, you know, and it's hard to leave that once you're established and you're dependable on that person and Amen. they're part of your Amen. life. 
Amen. I'd love to see the, the joy that's going on in the next generation. There's a buzz in there the church. There's some closeness. We were having a Sunday school meeting in the back, and I was just sitting over there just grinning from ear to ear, and Sister Mitchell asked me what I was smiling about, and I didn't tell you. But I was just glad to see so many next generation that are moving into the Sunday school teaching. I was just glad to see a lot more people interested in coming back and teaching the, the children. I was, it, it really touched my heart to see people come in and start helping in the Sunday school. And, you the, guys are awesome. and the other night uh, on the platform, I looked, I text Kyle in church. Shouldn't have done that, but I did. And I was like, look on the platform. It's all next generation. Every one of us up here, we're next generation. And we need to take that torch and keep the church moving in that direction for the next for the next and the next and the next generation after us. So there is a church and a foundation here that they can grow under. We elders, we're glad to see that. Yeah. And actually as of right at this moment, while we're doing this, it had been tossed around the call and the next next generation is out in the church van running around town having a good time and doing some outreach and some uh, fellowshipping of themselves. Uh, Sister Renee, our, what we call WOW, which is our Women of Wisdom, ages 50 or better, um, they have a study for the Word of God, continually. It's an, actually, it's a book club. Oh, fine. Um, One book. Or 66 books in, involved in it. That's exactly right. That's right. Um, you know, at a certain point, you've had many, many Bible studies. So many, so many, so many Bible studies. And... What happens is you say, let's have a Bible study, and they say, oh, <laughs> we've had so many Bible studies. So what, had, what originally started this? Um, I was invited to join. I'm Italian, of Italian descent, and I had met an officer of the Italian-American club here, and they have a book club, and I was invited to join. And... I really wanted to join, and it turned out it was more like the Italian-American wine-tasting club, which didn't, didn't really sit well with me. And so I got to thinking, because I love books, and I really decided I really wanted a book club to join. And at the same time, a friend of mine from the church had asked me to start another uh, a Bible study with her, and I had already done three and so I thought, you know what, let's start a book club. And so that was the birth, birthing seed of it. And so I talked with her and I thought, you know what, let's take the Bible and look at each book as a book. And instead of doing a Bible study of that book, which we know the books of the Bible, we have read them, we have studied them, those of us that have been living for, the God, for God for many, many years have studied these books many, many years worth. And instead of looking at it as a Bible study of the book, let's read it like a book and look at it from a woman's perspective. Instead of hearing it preached from the pulpit by men. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Let's look at it from a woman's perspective. And so that's what we do. And each month we take a book of the Bible and a different lady will decide to lead the group. And she will choose what book to read. And 
everyone in, in the meeting will read that book and then we'll come with a point of view uh, that may be a little bit different than we've heard it preached all these years and pick something that may have a little tilt to it and discuss that book from that point of view. And so it gets exciting and, um, and can pull a great deal of, of the heart with it. And I, I'm going to go to Job because this is something that always troubled me when you hear a man preach on Job and the comment that the wife makes. When she spoke to Job and said, just curse God and die, you know, they, they make that just sound, it, it's, it was a terrible thing. But you have a woman who just buried all 10 of her children on the same day, 10 children that she birthed, that she nursed, that she raised, and that she loved, and that all perished on the same day, and that she buried, and that she was grieving for. And then immediately, her husband, who, who would be her only emotional support in such a terrible time, is sitting on a pile of gourds, you know, scraping his boils, that I'm not so sure she didn't say, let's just curse God and die. You know, and many or several, really, at least half of the women at that meeting had lost or buried a child. And to bring that grief to the meeting and to discuss it, it was a very emotional meeting and book study. And we, we looked at that in a different way than we've heard it ever preached from the pulpit. And so that's what we mean. I've heard you teach, <clears throat> you, you made a comment one time. It's from a woman's perspective. Why do you need to look at it from a woman's perspective? Well, Kyle, that's why we look at it from a woman's perspective. Because I've never heard a pastor stand up and say what I just said, you know. It, it is different from a woman's perspective. And that's what we focus on. We read the book of the Bible as a book, as a story, like, a, like any book club. And so it's quite interesting. We do that once a month, and then sometimes we get together a second time during the month. Um, not every month, because our lives are as busy as anyone else's, even though <clears throat> we're elderly, Erica. <laughs> At 50 or better. But we don't card either, and anyone is welcome to come. And we do enjoy it. It is great fun. And women... Uh, 50 or better, we need to socialize as well. A lot of the women are widowed or maybe they're, they may be married, but their children have left home and they may have a great many grandchildren. Maybe they can't come because they've got grandbabies to babysit, but we do, we're getting, a, we're growing and we really enjoy that fellowship as well. But looking at the Bible book by book and then each each woman who wants to has an opportunity to choose the, buy, the book that we're going to, to read, and then she'll lead the discussion during the next time. And then after we do that, we choose where we're going to have lunch and so on. So, and it's open to anyone. You can bring a guest or if you just invite anybody. And if you're listening to the podcast, mm -hmm. you're welcome to 
to come and meet with us anytime. Coffee Guy on Burgess. Coffee <laughs> Guy on Davis and Burgess the first Monday of every month at 1030. Sister Renee, I know you've already moved past it, but I just I want to backtrack to just a minute because what, what you said just it oh, really touched me. Um, what you were talking about from the book of Job and, and that statement from the wife. Um, you know, number one, yes, I know when you're in a relationship and a loss like that happens, um, it, it does affect the man, I'm sure. You're, you're in that, a part of that relationship, but you can't know that pain that that woman feels unless you've been through it. Yeah. And that is a very real point to remember that the people in the Bible were still people too. And I, I don't think a woman alive today in church or not, I, I mean, maybe I'm just being presumptuous, but I honestly don't think a woman alive today could go through that and not consider that point and not consider that statement. You know what I mean? It's, it's a hard thing to go through. And to remember that the people in the Bible are people. They are real people, just like our. Yes, they lived in a, a different time era, but they're still people who still have the same emotions that we go through today. And your club is bringing that to light. Your, your book club is creating an opportunity to for people to receive that revelation and to maybe not put so much judgment on things that they're reading in the Bible, if that makes sense. Is that the word I'm looking for there? Just to, to really change the way that they're looking at it. It's not just from a woman's perspective. You're, you're actually changing the way that you're reading it, and that's I think that's a really important thing to do. Yeah, it's, that's fantastic. I never, I've heard it preached many times, and I've never, I might actually start showing up to y'all's book club. You're welcome to uh, come. I, I will preach something. <laughs> I very well could. And we appreciate uh, our ladies that are 50 or better. You never arrive with your relationship with the Lord, with your Bible reading. You never arrive. You never obtain everything. There's so many hidden nuggets in the Word of God, and there's so many different ways to look at it, and uh, and to where you're not getting out doctrinally or uh, contextually, but that you can just see it from a different perspective. And we appreciate part of apostolic life that you don't ever just say, well, I've retired from my job, and now I'm retired from my work from the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't stop putting burdens on your heart, hunger for the Word, hunger for the moves of the Spirit, hunger for your church attendance, hungering, hunger for the growth in the Spirit. So and the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So when you may retire from your job, but you don't get to retire from the gift in which God has blessed you with. So, and thank you for grabbing that, setting it up, and I'll be more cautious about my comments about women's perspective. Don't be too cautious. It's kind of fun. Okay, good, good. So, but, and then also we have uh, our Sunday school. Our Sunday school, they are promoting it seems like they're always promoting something some kids getting some kind of gift they're getting to go to uh, a sky zone and if you don't know what that is it's a it's a whole room that's just full of trampolines where kids can bounce off the walls throw balls horrible horrible place it's a wonderful place it's a wonderful place as for kids uh but you as you get older you got to stretch more before you actually get to walk on but the whole room is filled with trampolines and different things so for sister shaughnessy uh, heads up our Sunday school department. Brother Larry, I'm going to try to do a duo here uh, with y'all both. So y'all both go off of this. Um, 
in what you're pushing with the Sunday school, what you get to see with the Sunday school, what you see the kids doing. Because like you said, you, you give kids a voice in the Sunday school department, and so y'all hear to where some things that parents probably are overlooking, and they're not listening to their kids and what they're trying to tell them. So with what's going on in our Sunday school department, y'all to go ahead and fill us in on that aspect of the fellowship because it really is. You're connecting kids with kids, and they'll make lifelong friends, and they'll whether they're in the church in 20 years or not, if they see each other, they're going to know I was in Sunday school with that kid. So go ahead and, and, and elaborate on the what goes on in Sunday school. We, we love um, teaching and listening to the children as they come in. And they bring often, like you say, they meet friends that they were in church and then they want to come and find out what's going on in the class. I, I love seeing the curiosity on the visitors that come in. They're sitting next to their friend and then after minutes they relax and uh, realize we're, we're on their side. We, we do drop to our knees and, and talk to them eye to eye and let them know we are listening and we feel what they what they're bringing it's a it's a it's an awesome awesome opportunity to be able to teach them and know that they're listening to to what we're teaching and and we did recently go through the entire book of acts with the ages 9 to 10 and they could not wait to get to the next chapter to find out what was going to happen next it's just fun to uh make the Bible fun for the kids and that way they want to come and hear what's going to happen next. And they don't, they don't know what's going to happen next. We had a, we bring treats. We uh, were going to teach on the, the lesson where Peter had to find a coin in a fish's mouth. And so I took a gold coin and put it in the hash browns from McDonald's. And as they were eating their food, <laughs> they all started, look, there's a coin in the food just like they just discussed in this Bible story. there, So we made it real. And, and that, that's part of the, the fun is making the lesson real. And that way the kids can uh, take something home. I, I love it when the children, they go home and tell their parents after something we've taught in Sunday school, you need to come to church. We, they, we've had that happen. I taught on the, the, the uh, bridesmaids. We had batteries in the flashlights, most of them. And we told them, well, we're going to go to a party. We need to have your flashlight. And they turned their lights on, and some of them turned on, and some of them didn't. So the others, I said, go to the kitchen and get batteries. So they did it. And while they were going to get batteries, the rest of us went out the door and closed the door behind us. We went to the meet the bridegroom, and we, our flashlights worked. So you had a group of children that couldn't get through the door. Their flashlights didn't work. They're crying because they couldn't come. Those that were with me with the flashlights were crying because their friends couldn't come. And what they did at the end of all this, they went home and told their parents, you need to get batteries in your flashlights. (laughs) (laughs) You need to get the Holy Ghost. They went home and told their parents, you need to come to church. And I love it when we have a good lesson like that. And they go home and tell their friends and their parents, you need to come to Sunday school. They'll never look at a dead flashlight the same again. <laughs> That's right, because what we're trying to do here is bring the Bible to life. To show them that it's not just something that they're reading on a page, but that even at their young age, they can begin to apply the word to their life and then watch it work in their life because that builds their faith. There's nothing more... Uh, rewarding and incredible than to see a child come to Sunday school and say, we prayed for my mother, we prayed for for this person, and God did this. 
and to know that they are understanding what it means to have faith, what it means to to see their faith in action um, is so important. Uh, we do, uh, you know, I know there, there are people that will look at Sunday school and say, why do you need the prizes? Why do you need the rewards? Are you buying the children's attendance? And that's not the case at all. The purpose of that, that motivation, is we're teaching them how to work together as a team because that translates into them being part of the body of Christ. So if we can teach them how... Uh, to perform in teamwork, how to come together and have camaraderie and have unity, then we can translate that into their walk with God so that when they are in uh, the congregation, they want to be a unified body. They have a common goal that they're working towards. Another thing that, uh, you know, it does, there's competitiveness in every child. You know, there's a different level in every one. And so we try to do team goals and then individual goals. And um, that teaches them that not only am I part of the body of Christ, but it also teaches them that my walk is individual. Because at the end of the day, there's going to come a time when I'm responsible for how my relationship with God. What is my relationship with God? When I get to an age where my parents are no longer having to say to me, You're going to church regardless. There will come an age where they have to decide to live for God on their own. And why are they living for God? And what is their motivation? And they'll have to grow their own relationship. And so the purpose of that is, is to me, is invaluable in teaching them this is how you grow in Christ. You grow as a body and you grow individually. And the kids are teaching us things. You know, uh, to piggyback on something that Sister Mitchell said, um, our pastor's wife, she brought one of our, our young children into one of our ladies' Wednesday night Bible studies um, and uh, was Tanner's daughter, Eliana, and it was a really proud moment. I'd like to say that, that one of us could take responsibility for that, but it was all to God be the glory because the children were learning about... Um, foot washing and the importance of foot washing and they'd say why do we do this sister Shaughnessy and why do we do that and say you know if it's in the word that's what God wants us to do and so uh, Eliana said why why haven't we had a foot washing it's in the Bible we should do it and of course our ladies had a foot washing that night very impromptu foot washing but it really struck a chord with me and that these children are listening and they are understanding and they're growing in the word. And as, as their ability to comprehend what the Bible says, it, it grows. It's so much more important that we help them to see how can they apply it in their life. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to live it. And so um, that's really one of our main goals in Sunday school. Of course, we want them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We want them to be baptized in Jesus' name. But we want them to know that the word is, is not just on paper, but it's part of their life. They can apply it in their life. And there's going to come a time in their life when they're going to need it and be able to draw from it, and they'll draw their strength from it. Amen. Uh, and that y'all do a phenomenal job at it. Uh, I see Brother Larry, you never know if he's going to be, how he's going to be dressed when it comes time for Sunday school. I know every now and then I like to go down there, jump in the Sunday school class, stir him up, 
goof off with them, and then I leave, and Brother Larry and Sister Shaughnessy and all the other Sunday school teachers that are involved get to deal with it. And so they ha- and they have a wonderful time. I talk to kids after class. They come out with different projects and different things like that, and it's a great, great time for these kids and getting the word to come alive to them at this age. And some great creative ideas. Y'all did a very good job. Okay, now for our men's ministry, we have Brother Tanner Hannah. Uh, We've got to hear him go back and forth some with their conversation on the importance of church. But also, now, he does our men's ministry, and uh, just such like all the other ones that are here today, that they would do a wonderful job. And so, Brother Tanner, I want you to say, just elaborate a little bit more on the men's ministry and what transpires, what's your goal, what you're working towards, and uh, go ahead. So, let me just back up, and I'll, I'll try to tell you where the, if I can, where the burden come from. Um, you know, years ago when our church was on Sun Valley Drive, I was looking at a um, offering slip, and I seen you know the the youth, the general fund, the building fund, and all we had all these things in there, and there was a men's ministry tab there, and I thought and this was and I was you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, and I thought you know this church doesn't have a men's ministry, and so it kind of pricked my heart a little bit. At the time, I didn't feel like, and I still don't feel like I'm old enough to. Uh, lead these guys at times you know I look at some of these guys as elders to me and um, so that was where the burden probably probably began and um, at the same time you know we've talked about uh, consistency and church attendance and things tonight and uh, I feel like if you're going to be in part of a church somewhere if you don't have something if you're not contributing to something what are you what are you doing here you know what's what's the purpose? You know we can we can come and sit on a church pew and and sometimes just take it all for ourselves and that's very selfish. And so when I look at these guys and how they instilled in me to live for God, I wanted to be the kind of guy that was that guy. You know, I look at the Larrys and the Brother Leisures and the Rick Swindons, and um, you know there's many more that I've looked at. The Buddy Barnetts. You know these these guys are heroes to me. So anyway, I developed a burden and a passion for the men's ministry and I realized that there was something missing for us there and there was no um there was no organized you know we got organized church prayer and um men I believe in a church play a very important role um not only in our homes but in church you know what we do in church and what what we do in the fellowship I believe you know solidifies what we believe in and really helps us to to carry on and so you know, we didn't have any of that, and so I thought, you know, well, why don't we have a men's prayer meeting, you know, and so, and we had some a while back, and, you know, they were really good, and we would go, and we'd fast, you know, we'd go every two weeks, and come and pray, and we'd fast, and for me, I really grew during that time, and then, of course, me and Kyle went through a life-changing thing there, where that time, that prayer time stopped for us, and I thought, man, I've got to, something was birthed in me there, um, that that prayer time was strong for me and I I realized that I grew in that time so I wanted to get that back and I realized man if I can do it these men can do it as well so you know every quarter we have a men's breakfast and man I bring you know I think every every Saturday we do that I I scramble or fry somewhere around like 40 or 50 eggs and you're a good cook too thank you (laughs) it's a good thing because it's part of it so um you know, we have a great time, and when we're done with the men's breakfast, you know, and everything we've eaten, we, I mean, deer sausage, you know, hog, I mean, everything we, you know, whatever we, whatever meat we bring and eggs, and it's just all just, it's so, the Lord blesses it, and it's so very satisfying, 
And, um, and then we come into the sanctuary for a time of prayer. And I believe that that develops these men to be what they want to be. And that's a burden and a passion for mine is to develop. And I can't say develop because these men are, you know, they're pretty well established and developed. But just to hang on to what a man is supposed to be in a church. And it's important for me. So, And then outside of that, you know, gathering these guys to get together to men's conference. I, everybody tells me don't do this. You're, my wife tells me all the time, don't put all that on your credit card. And these men go to <laughs> go to a men's conference. But, you know, I enjoy the a, the challenge there. And the I enjoy the responsibility to be out in front of that and be in front of these men and say, you know what, we need men's conference, whether it's in Foley or Ocala or wherever they want to go, you know. And, and the when we get there, we have so much fellowship, so much good time. When we get down there, we eat down there. So if there's not a pattern that you're recognizing here, our men's ministry is very healthy. <laughs> and so uh, I just enjoy the camaraderie between the men. I enjoy, you know, seeing men established and men grow and men lead their families and men lead the church. And, you know, if we... Sister Nay, I'm sorry, but if we lost our men in the church, <laughs> we would have a problem. Oh, and um, and I know you believe that. I, I'm just I do believe that. I've known Sister Nay for a very long time, so I feel like I can joke with her in almost any way. But um, we do need that, and I think that fellowship is important, and I enjoy the challenge. Um, I enjoy meeting new men. When, when men come in this church, I enjoy, you know, getting to know those guys and saying, man, if you need anything, let me know. I'm, I'm here for you. So, so to, to say all that, I enjoy putting myself back into that ministry and in Ephesians it talks about um, you know let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor and with his hands work that thing which is good so that he may have to give to him that needeth right and so I think whenever you are established in a church if you're just sitting here in the pew you're taking something from somebody and you're taking, you're taking from others around you. And if you're going to be involved in a men's, a men's ministry, a women's ministry, or Sunday school, I believe it's important to give yourself to that so that, you know, it's easy to just sit on it. If you, you ever watch somebody that sits in a service and they just sit back there, it's easy for that person to come to you and gossip to you about what so-and-so did or this happened or so-and-so was wearing this or whatever. You know, and that's a form of stealing. And whenever we are laboring in something, I believe we have something to attribute to people that, you know, most men, they're not going to tell you they need something. But if you're a person that can give these men something, they don't have to ask for it. And that's the kind of, that's what gave me the burden and passion for the for the men's ministry. And that's what I want to be involved in. So anybody that's, you know, coming and looking for a, a men's ministry, I'm, I'm really trying to do my best there and really looking for this thing to gain more ground. And it hopefully keeps going the way it's going. To birth in someone else what was birthed in you amen and 100%. being a part of the men's ministry more than i am part of others uh well i can speak for the guys is that there's always this wall with men of you got to be tough and you got to have it all together but at the men's ministry we're able to there's no judgment there whatever a man comes with i mean we we've had people that have gathered all the men together after a sunday morning service say hey this is my problem this is my hiccup and we got the men around them and, and tr- try to form a encouraging circle around them. Hey, we're not judging. We've been there. We've experienced. And so, I mean, it's it's been a really great thing and a good thing. And it is a no-judgment thing. I mean, what when we come in here on Saturday mornings once a quarter, and, and if anybody's open to doing it more, I'd do it more. Um, but it really is a, 
a place where you can open up and Larry, you're not ashamed to tell me anything. I'm not ashamed to tell you anything and, and Kyle and anybody. And, um, you know, as men, we need that because we, we are supposed to, or at least we trick ourselves into thinking we're to carry a persona that there's no weakness. Yes, and I don't think that um, there's any kind of weakness in, in sharing with other men what you're struggling with because, in turn, that only strengthens you. And so, anyway. Brother Tanner, I just want to say that I think it's so important um, that you continue this ministry because when our men come back from conference, we can see a boost in their self-confidence and their self-esteem and the way they carry themselves and the, the um, anointing and the power that's upon them. You know, we live in a world where the enemy is trying to tear down the family, and he's going to start with the head of the household first because, you know, if you look at decades ago, uh, the women's lib movement, what they what that really boils down to is that they want to emasculate men, take away the authority of the father in the home, and you have children who do not have respect for structure for the household, where we're told that the discipline that a father gives is abuse, and you know, um, in in relationships that break up, the father's the bad guy, and you know he's the burden for child support when there's so many different aspects where men are attacked daily. And so a lot of our men, whether we want to recognize it or not, they feel that that weight on their shoulders, the weight of carrying, you know, the home, being the provider, being uh, a man is very, very, very much in tune with and his self-confidence and self-esteem is attached to what he does. And when he doesn't feel worthy and he doesn't feel 100% like, you know, he's carrying his family and he's, he's the one that's leading that family, um, it's, a, it's a huge blow. And it trickles down into the whole family and into the church. So I think that your ministry is extremely important and that it's uniting the men. And in that unity, they have strength and it builds their confidence and lets them know that they can do anything in Christ, including lead their family and be the spiritual leader of their home first and foremost and uh, be, the, be that leader that God designed them to be. Um, and then as women, that we need to recognize that there is a level of submission that we have under godly authority also to our husbands to promote and, and, and to um, encourage them to be part of the body of Christ. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very grateful for your ministry. Thank you. Sister Shaughnessy, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. And it, it's an excellent point. It really is. Like I even just made a note. We're going to put a whole panel discussion just on that because it there's so much more into that, and I, I really want to go into it again. But from all of us, seriously, thank you, Tanner. If no one's telling you, it's my husband. Every time he comes home from these men events, he's encouraged. There is a difference in him and the way he carries himself and the way that he leads his family, and that is so very important. I don't, I don't know if you ever see what you're doing here, but thank you. Thank you for what you do. I appreciate that because it is hard sometimes to see the impact that you make. But um, if there's any men out there that are listening to this podcast, I would strongly encourage you. Um, we're a very transparent group, and, man, there's no, uh, there's a no judgment zone there. And um, I'd go to I'd go to war for you, <laughs> so just know that. Well, and the great thing about the church and being a part of the church, it's not just apostolic life, but it's being part of the church. Our men's ministry connects with other churches at men's conference from other churches. Our ladies go to ladies' conference. It's from other churches in the state of Florida. Uh, so it's not, I mean, it's being a part of the church. Like this whole 
conversation has started. And the great thing about all of you here is that our groups overlap. And we, it's not just, oh, uh, the Sunday school department's out there on their own island, uh, the next generation's on their own island, the men's ministry. It's that it all overlaps, and we all need each other because the kids in the Sunday school department are also, our parents are a part of the next generation. So at next generation, when the parents are together, then the kids come with the parents because we don't ask for the kids to stay at home. We want the kids to come. So the kids are now together at next generation running around and playing. And then the men are fellowshipping with the men. And the grandparents are meeting with the women of wisdom. Yeah. And so, and then our men are meeting together. And so there's this constant, it's just, all hooked together in some way, in some form. And so it's really great of how it just all flows together. One big happy family. And the wonderful thing about happy families, you can get mad at them, but then you're like, you just have to forgive them because (laughs) 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 because they're family. And it's it's like your brother or your sister. You just get so aggravated with them, but let somebody else try to attack them and you're going to jump on somebody else. Yeah, that's really good too. Let me me say too while we're on that point that if – we talked about earlier, earlier getting to know people. I think one of the biggest things that that men's ministry has given back to me and what I've noticed, I guess what I say, what I've noticed it doing is I've had Larry and I've had Rick Swindon and I've had these guys come up to tell me, you know, we just one night just go to uh, chow time. And Rick told me the next Sunday, he goes, man, that was the best time I've had in years. And I'm thinking, man, you do a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> That's the best time you had. He said, it's just because it was so transparent. I got to know you. I got to know this person and that person, Daryl Harrell, back there. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. I, I mean, what a time that guy said he had that night. And he, when he comes in on Sundays, he, you know, he's on the pew there. You see him shake his hand, he talks. He's a, he's kind of like me. He's a man of few words. And then he's, you know, he's he's on about, and he's a special man. And that night, man, he cut up and had a good time. So those are good times. And, and the the hog roast we've done, the the crawfish boils we've done, you know, those things are. These guys just get back and and hang out. They really cut back, and I think. Um, you see a different side that you don't see here in church. It's like what Erica said at the very beginning. It's like uh, whenever Next Generation stood up, it was like I don't I'm not really don't know any of these people really outside of the church. And now it's you're getting to know the members of the church and who they really are. And a lot of people are they're quite funny. We you become family and cutting up and uh, just enjoying one one of each other's company. But then, okay, also what we face with next or with fellowshipping at the church, outside of the church, these fellowship groups, is people even have excuses for not going to church, but they also have excuses for not being a part of the fellowships. What are some of the excuses that you may have heard? Or what excuses, uh, or how can we fix some of these excuses that we have heard? So, like, what, let's do a two-part. What have we heard and what? how can we fix it? Because dealing with people... I have tried my best to eliminate excuse after excuse after excuse, and then it seems like they just come up with another excuse. But uh, have y'all heard any excuses of why parents don't come, why they don't bring their kids? Kids tell, I mean, because they say kids say the funniest things. They're going to tell you exactly why mom and dad didn't want to come, and mom and dad tell you something just a little bit different. Well, I don't think, you know, you can't always have the perfect scenario for everyone. And so in that age group, you do have some busy lives. Um, you've got parents, you've got kids involved in a multitude of things outside of church. And then uh, you've got working working class people, you know, that are working every day. So 
uh, I do believe that Sister Erica and um, the ladies that help her organize um, their social events and as well as Brother Tanner and any other ministry that goes on outside of the church, uh, you try to make the schedule for the events fit uh, the majority of people. It's not always going to be perfect. You can't but, please everyone. Yeah. You, you just, you do the best that you can to make sure that it fits, fits that. And so um, it's understandable when you have some that can't attend. But I think if you, if you have those that aren't attending on a regular basis, it could just be that they're just not, they just haven't stepped outside of their comfort zone yet and letting people, letting their hair down and letting people know who they are. And so it just can, it will take some continual nudging, a little bit of time, and that consistent, you know, asking. And, and I think when we come back and we talk about what a great time we had and they realize what they're missing out on, um, that's important. That's key, you know. We, just like when we say, oh, you missed a great time in the Holy Ghost. Oh, the Lord really moved in this service. You know, blessings just got poured out. Sister Erica is wonderful at coming back and saying, hey, you missed an awesome time at Next Generation, why we did this and this. She really guilts trips yeah, you to come the next time. She's you know really People talented. People love to come and jump over a 10-foot wall. That I'm sorry, but they do. <laughs> she pushes you. I've never seen her come to a men's conference, though. No, she... And I, I keep telling my husband that if he would just experience one Tanner Hannah breakfast, he would never miss another men's meeting. That's so. the truth, man. In Sunday school, we've had children, uh, so they couldn't come because they, their mom said they couldn't find their shoes, that they couldn't come. And I've had children come, and they didn't have clean clothes, so they just, the children, grabbed whatever they found on the floor and came. And you could smell that their clothes weren't clean, but they came. They, they came. They wanted to come, and they found a way. And so sometimes we have to look over these excuses. Speaking of, you know, being transparent and stuff, I've been to at least 20 men's conferences, and every one I go to, every time, I don't want to go. I'm working, and, and my boss needs me, and, you know, children, grandchildren, there's always something, and now there comes this men's conference. i got to leave early on Thursday and drive I mean, I, every time. But every time I go, I come back blessed. It, it changes my outlook, and I can't think, every time I do it, I think, why? Do I put myself through that? But when I go, I get blessed every time. It's the fellowship. It's the teachings. It's the preachers down there. It's the subject. It's just, just like you say, dropping the facade and it's being there with your, with your buddies and just being who you are. And you're allowed to do that. And it's just a blessing every time we do that. Every time the men gather, I get something out of it. And I'll just say, too, that, you know, it's not just the men's ministry, but you know, whether it's Next Generation or Sunday School or Women of Wisdom, whatever the ministry is, outreach, loaves and fishes, whatever. I think as a leader, and this is for the leaders out there listening, I think you're going to hear a plethora of excuses. I mean, you could sit right here, and if we all said every excuse we ever heard, we'd be here till midnight, right? Um, I think ultimately, though, I think that, uh, you know, we in a lot, of, a lot of ways we're just so busy. You know, I think recently we've had the, We've had the um, planning meetings and not to over plan, you know, men's ministry not on top of next generation or vice versa or whatever, you know. So I think there's, you know, organization and communication comes in heavy there to for your attendance. And on the communication side, 
you know, we can announce it until we're blue in the face and pastor tells us to stop announcing it from the platform. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can do that till you're blue in the face. It does happen. You can do that till you're blue in the face, and, you know, you'll get five guys show up for an outing. And we have never had five guys. That's probably a bad, bad example. But, you know, you get, a, you get a number of people, and you think, man, I prepared for 50 people here, mm-hmm. and 20 showed up. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and that's where I'm going with that. that, um, What I found out helps me the most in my ministry, and I think other ministries as well, is not just announcing it from the pulpit or not just putting something on a billboard somewhere in the church, but calling these people. If you're a ministry leader, you're going to have to make time to put things aside and reach out to people who are under you in your ministry to make sure they know the dates. And if if you have a podcast, you need to communicate with Tanner that it starts at four o'clock. <laughs> and uh, and uh, <clears throat> I know. Ex- <laughs> and there, I mean, there it's was a, a group text that <laughs> went was. out to Brother Tanner. <laughs> and when I look back at that group text, I seen four o'clock. So I'm just telling you, sometimes you can do, you can hound this thing, and you know, a lot of times the communication is a, is an important part of it, and reaching out to people. But on the away from the leadership side of things, the people who are listening, who are maybe under a minister, whenever someone puts together a next generation outing or they put together a Sunday school thing at Sky Zone or they put together a Women of Wisdom or Men's Minute, whatever, more than likely, I can 100% guarantee you, unless they're just really lucky, they've poured their heart and soul into that the last couple weeks to get that thing ready. And whenever you, whether it's spend money or spend time or energy reaching out to people and 10 people show up, that's a gut check. You know, it's a, why, it am I, why am I even doing this, you know? And so I'm saying to the people that are listening who are under ministry, support that ministry. Be somebody for that and watch that ministry grow. And don't just allow whoever put that together to sacrifice in vain. Not that the Lord won't reward the person that did stay obedient and sacrifice, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a gut check to not see people, especially when you, got, when you know things are going on in your ministry, and you know certain so-and-so is struggling with this or so-and-so is, needs this today and they're not here, man, you just want to leave what you're doing and go get them and bring them. You know, so it's, it's a tough time. I know we've had a new couple, John and Jenny, be a part of our church, and they went to a Next Generation event, and they fall into that age group. And talking to them afterwards, they said their faces hurt from laughing so much. They had a great time. They said, and this is, this is a couple that has faced some hardships, and they haven't had fun in a while. And so coming here, being a part of Next Generation, they didn't know what to expect, and they're like, man, that was so much fun. And to them, they, they, they're, they're just now getting connected to a church, and now they're meeting people outside of just the regular church. We want them to come to our church, so we invite them to our church service. But they would have never have met anybody outside of the van drivers to go, that go pick them up if they wouldn't have gone to the next generation. Now, then they, they can come to church, and they now are getting to know people outside of just our normal church service. And so that, and that's going to do wonders for them, and that's fantastic. So for our next generation, thank you so very much for, from John and Jenny, I'm sure. Uh, so supporting the ministry, and Tanner, you ended off with this, is, hey, anybody who's under ministry, supporting the ministry is awesome too because the one who's heading it up most likely most likely has a million things going on whenever it's happening they've prepared they've 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 got a lot of work going on but they're not able to enjoy it as much as everybody else because they have worked so hard to prepare to 
for you to enjoy. And they're making sure that everything's falling in the proper order and everything is going exactly so you have a maximum amount of fun, even our Sunday school department, that the kids have that much fun being a part. So thank you so very much for that, but for supporting it. I've been a part of different ministries, and someone has pulled me aside, and I'm not leading the ministry to lean on me, to ask me a question, to ask for prayer, just to just ask for, just give a word of encouragement. And I've talked to men, and they've said things to me, or even at Next Generation, just saying things to people, and they've said words to encourage me. It's like, hey, man, don't let that bother you. It's like, you know, you're right. And it's not at a church service, but it's at the church fellowship. And even you get encouragement from those things as well, and being a part and supporting your church. And then also... Another fellowship which we've over, or yeah, which we've overlooked, and outreach into our church is this very podcast in which that we are doing right now with Brother Dylan and Sister Sarah Gregory. They have for the past year been giving, scheduling, meeting with people, finding babysitters for their young son, uh, dropping him off, running to the church to go pick him up, to go here and to go there and they have just to get outside of the four walls and it has grown to where it's outside of the United States and we are so excited and so appreciative of what they put together here tonight and so we thank them and we uh, we can't tell them thank you enough for even because they dream big and they're trying to dream even bigger to get truth outside of these four walls because outside of our city because with today and the media we are able to go far and beyond and Sister Renee, go ahead. Awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you so okay, much. Hey, guys, look, I, I cry on almost every episode. Can I not cry in this one, please? <laughs> Can we just move on past that now? Thank you for the acknowledgement, and let's just move past that one. No, let, no. Let me, let me say go this, ahead. too. And what you mentioned there, they dream big. And um, you know, I know we're going to hate to hear this, but aim small, miss small. <laughs> All right? <laughs> yes. That's an inside joke between me and Kyle. Um we got a guy that says that, and we hate to hear it. Uh, but when you aim big at something like this, this is huge. And when you aim big, if you fall, it's it's almost like a business venture. You could lose it all, man. You, you know, so this is this is a risk for you guys. And if this didn't work, you guys would look like you're, you know, got egg on your face. And I want to say I appreciate y'all. This is this is really huge. And we'll wipe it off for you. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Well, on that point, too, just, I mean, we couldn't do this without the people that are willing to participate. So it's it's literally y'all and people like y'all that make the podcast possible. So thank the Lord for people who are willing to participate. And you know what? Before we stop, I just want to say, because we are talking about outreaching outside, you know, into fellowship and all. Yeah, outside of church, regular church service. Yes. yes. Um, March 29th. Hopefully this goes out before then. We no. Just we put are a little having, plug in here. We are having Friends Day at the church. We're going to have our regular service. We only have one service that day, and it starts at ten that morning. Right after, we're having a youth dinner, five dollars a plate for them to raise money, and then right after that, we're going to have Family Day. We're going to have a bouncy house. We're going to have flag football, volleyball. Volleyball. We're just going to have a lot of games. Church picnic after. After the uh, friend, I mean, it's Friends Day, yes. so we don't want to just eat and leave. Right. We want to eat and stay and hang out and fellowship and meet friends that we invite to church. That's right. And, and let me say this. If you're going to come to the bouncy house and you hang around the Claytons, the Georgias, the Parkers, let your kids bring their mouthpiece because last time Eliana lost two teeth in a bouncy house. <laughs> <laughs> but so and if you're listening, you can come join us at Apostolic Life. If you are a part of our church, please bring someone. We want to be able to 
you know, be a part of our life and everything else. You know, and then also March 23rd is a huge day. <laughs> it's a huge day. I am turning 40 years old, and that is my birthday. So everyone does that, needs to is know. Does that qualify you as elderly? Ooh. I'm not sure. No, I'm yes, not there yet. yes I'm it, not does. There yet. it does. Where, where does elderly begin exactly? Yes, After next generation. Ex- exactly. As next generation. The older she, I get, the older I get. Next generation is going to get older. Keep increasing. I'm never going to grow out of next generation group. I'm never getting out of it. Um, yeah, Sister Renee. She was waiting for that moment. She was. She was waiting for it. Oh, okay, y'all. My face hurts from smiling. That, I, I agree. That That is it, though. We have covered a lot of ground here tonight, and I got to say I believe this has been an amazing conversation, truly. Um, I'm excited for more episodes of Let's Talk About It. I, I hope everyone's willing to come back at another time or another episode at some point. You all have more opinions to give on more other subjects. Um, thank you all again so much for being here and sharing so much with our listeners. I hope someone feels encouraged. I hope someone learns something. Um, so we will go ahead and close part two of the in and outs of church and fellowship. Brother Kyle, would you please dismiss us with a prayer? Dear Lord, we're so blessed to be a part of your church in this day and hour. We count it a privilege and an honor, Lord, that you have chosen us for this day. Lord Jesus, for such a time as this. Lord, we ask for you to be with us as we go and continue to be a light to this world and salt of the earth. Lord, help us and be with us and strengthen us. And those that are out there that are listening, that are leading, that are in, need encouragement, Lord, I pray a word of encouragement over them. I pray your hand touches them. I pray a blessing on them. Lord, let them get something from this, Lord, to and push them, Lord. Maybe someone's been lacking in their church attendance. Lord, I pray we encourage them to be a part of their church. And we know that there are sometimes tough times in church and being a part of a church and being grouped with people. But, Lord, we want to encourage them. Lord, in you, Lord, to hunger after the things of God, to encourage others, to uplift others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you again for joining us. You can always view our live streaming and keep up to date with all church events and activities on our website, www.apostoliclifeupc.com. Again, that is www.apostoliclifeupc.com. And while you are already on the web, head on over to follow us on Facebook. That's Apostolic Life United Pentecostal Church, Pensacola. Once again, our Facebook page name is Apostolic Life United Pentecostal Church, Pensacola. And if you are not from our church, please leave a voice message right here in the Anchor app or website saying hi and letting us know what city and state we have reached. You can also leave a voice message if you would like us to add you and your need to our prayer request list at church. Just record whatever details you want. And of course, check back weekly for new uploads. And remember, you are always welcome and encouraged to visit us in person. Our church building is located at 6720 Mobile Highway, Pensacola, Florida, 32526. And our service times are Sunday, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you all. Amen.